0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor at GamesRadar, and this is Radio Radar Episode 71. Uh, (laughs) We don't do radio voice the entire podcast this week, although we would like to. Uh, This week, we talk all things Nintendo Switch. We talk about the hardware. We talk about how we're feeling about it. We talk about... Uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Bomberman R, Blaster Master Zero, and Shovel Knight Specter of Torment, and Snipperclips. We played a ton of games for this thing. The perspective is there aren't that many games. There are plenty of freaking games for the Switch. We talk about all of them before moving on to talk about Near Automata, a new PlayStation 4 action RPG that is unlike anything else. Listen on. No deceiving, nothing up my sleeve, and no teasing. I need you to get up on the dance floor. Give that man what he asking for, because I feel like busting loose. And I feel like touching you. Uh, uh, And can't nobody stop the juice. So baby, tell me, what's the use? I said, it's getting hot in here. So hot. So take off all your clothes. I am getting,
1: getting
2: so, hot. so hot, I, I want to take my clothes, my clothes.
0: Off. <laughs> There we go. There it is. Uh, <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Radar episode 71. Uh, my name is Anthony John Agnello, senior social editor at Games Radar. And m- merry post Miss, everybody. It's Monday. I feel Ooh. like this is like that. It's like the December 26th of video games (laughs) where like everybody is like in like the nice warm hangover glow of busting out the switch and playing zelda all week uh weekend we have a a cavalcade of people who have been playing with the switch all weekend and one person who's been playing a very very awesome non-switch game that is out this week
3: uh we have staff roberts dave roberts hello I've been staying up way too late. Like, like normally when I, like, I've been reviewing a lot of games over the last couple months and I have to stay up really late just to finish them because they're all really yeah. long. And this is the first time in forever that I've been staying up to, like, two in the morning for a game that I actually, like, want to play.
0: <laughs> they, that you want
3: to play? Oh my god. <laughs> it, we'll get to it. It's so good.
0: Yeah. So actually, actually, the preview embargo is up on this And so on Friday, I was up all night not playing Zelda, but up all night playing Persona 5. We can now talk about the fact that we've been playing Persona 5. Uh, We can't review Persona 5, so let me just say, I was up all (laughs) night. Were you dancing all night? I was dancing all night. I was, (laughs) yeah, like, actually, Dave, Dave was deliriously, getting delirious text messages from me at, like, three in the morning my time uh we also have staff writer
2: connor sheridan what's up connor oh nothing much just you know kind of kind of resenting having to come back to the real world after my little weekend with my switch i was actually (laughs) thinking that yesterday i was like uh, this time is so special because you know i'm just playing breath of the wild and it's not like i don't know any of the secrets or anything yet and i knew as soon as i started on monday like it's part of my job to you know be up on this stuff so like I kind of have to actually like immerse myself in that and not just you know take it all in organically. So I was like, okay, this is it. This is my last weekend with you. I'll, I'll just you and me switch, and uh, now it's over. But you know we'll we'll always have that weekend.
0: <laughs> we'll always have Paris Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, we have uh, staff writer Sam Prell. Hi, Sam. Please call me Two P. In
1: order, in honor of uh, 2B from <laughs> near Automata, which I will be talking about. Although, now that I say that out loud, 2P kind of sounds like I, I need to yeah, urinate. Yep. So maybe, maybe maybe not 2S. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not that that nickname that I didn't think enough didn't think through.
0: Didn't didn't totally process. No. Uh, yeah, Sam, I gotta I gotta ask. I, there there was some talk uh, on the internet. About the fact that Nier went from having... The original Nier had... The exact same character was presented two different ways, depending on the region you played it. The main character, Nier, was either a sort of, like, uh, hulking... He basically looked like the protagonist of Neo, but with, like, a weird leather strap on his face. Uh, He looks like a ghost... He
1: looks like a ghost from the original Ghostbusters. Like, his yes! face is yes! so
0: yeah. hard and rigid uh-huh. that it looks
1: like it's just smashed out of clay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it looks... It, he definitely looks like Ray Stance would have to, like, chase him through uh, an old museum in the UK. Uh, and then Japan, though, he was sort of like a Wayfish anime boy. He looked like one of the bad guys from Final Fantasy Seven Advent Children. And now... In near automata, the main character is a a sultry, sexy robot lady in an outfit that is half a Gothic French Lolita. Made. Yeah, yeah, it's it's half French made and half uh, like bondage gear. And there, there, I've seen people on the internet sort of get up in arms about Two B's outfit, and they're like, "Her butt's just in your face." And I want to be like, "You guys really did not play Bayonetta two on Wii U if you think this." is gratuitous yeah uh, it is it's... toned down by comparison <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, it's, to bane it's a two tame. and dragon guard three uh yeah did, I, did any of you guys play dragon guard three the game that technically precedes near automata because the dragon series and near series are related did any of you guys play that no it isn't i really want to it's it well a you want to talk about lascivious character design b in the first level of the game There is at least 60 seconds devoted to a dragon nervously peeing itself. (laughs) Not like, oh, look at the majesty of a dragon. Uh, It has to to answer the call of the wild. It is just like a scared dragon because a lady in lingerie with a flower growing out of her face scared it and it pees itself. That is the tenor of all of those games.
2: Here's a question Uh, for you yes if you don't have clothes can you pee yourself or do you just pee
0: i think the like if you are urinating on your body in the process of getting rid of urine if you're like evacuating your bladder and you happen to pee on yourself when you okay. are going to the bathroom regardless of the
2: presence <laughs> of clothing you have peed yourself okay next question yeah uh, so if they make it clear <laughs> like, with the particle effects and whatnot that the dragon is peeing on itself
0: Dragon Guard 3 is not the most graphically advanced PlayStation 3 game out there, but let me tell you, there is no question about where this dragon (laughs) urine is going. Okay,
2: I'm glad we were able to get this sorted out quickly.
0: Let's just just make that abundantly clear. We'll get to those near issues closer to the end of the show, so if you want to hear about Yoko Taro and Platinum Games' weird-ass action RPG, uh, skip to that. But before that, we're going to talk about... That magical Nintendo console, uh, Nintendo Switch, which Connor, Dave Roberts, and I, uh, we all picked one up. Sam, uh, if you listened to our last episode, Sam described in some detail why he was not picking one up, but he does have a really cool Switch story. Uh, This system is a goddamn delightful thing. Uh, I was not expecting to say that a week ago. We, We were hearing all kinds of stories about malfunctions, about controllers desyncing, Uh, About the fact that it needed a day one update to even access the shop and all this nonsense. And in practice, turning this machine on for the first time and getting it to play a video game is more seamless, more comfortable, more enjoyable than with any console I have purchased and set up for the first time since the Game Boy Advance SP. Like, it is just so nice uh connor you 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 are just smitten with this thing the way you're talking about your weekend with it
2: uh yeah i mean i haven't taken it out of the house at all yet and i don't know that i will until i do more research on the best best hashtag best switch carrying case um but yeah no it just like you said it's a really easy setup um and it's like a good feeling setup because it just feels good to like slide those Joy-Cons on. You know, it's not like you're just plugging it in, you're actually like in the act of setting up the product, you're actually like engaging with it in a way that you will like as you're using it instead of just plugging crap in. So that's kind of like a cool way to just initially get into it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, there's, there's still a lot to see about it, but like I've been playing, uh, yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild and Blaster Master Zero, Uh, and just kind of going between the two, mostly been playing Breath of the Wild on the big screen and Blaster Master Zero in in portable mode, and yeah, it is just really cool having those two experiences, those two really different experiences um, all come from the same system, and you know you can can swap it back and forth if you want, if I want to sit back and play Blaster Master Zero on the big screen then I can, and if I want to play Breath of the Wild on the go or whatever. I can do that as well. It's it's nice to have that option.
0: Have you guys gotten past that feeling that you're going to break the thing? I like I, I it's so I'm so used to the very sturdy Nintendo hardware that they've been making forever. You know, like it, it the N64, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Advance, the uh, the GameCube the Wii controller, it always felt like you could literally throw these things against a wall repeatedly and they would be fine. Uh, Switch is the first time that I've picked up uh, a Nintendo machine and felt like I needed to be delicate with it. But after like a few hours with Breath of the Wild, I felt like that finally started to fade. I mean, I
3: feel like like I'm not going to be chucking this thing against a wall. Um, It definitely does seem a lot more delicate yet. yet. Yeah. more delicate just because it's, because of the tablet form factor, um, but, I don't know, like, like, I've been clicking the, the Joy-Cons in and out, and switching between different modes, the, uh, the table, the, the kickstand on the tabletop mode, like, everyone says it's garbage, and it's, it's pretty, it's not great, uh, but, like, I don't know, it, it feels like a solid bit of attack, but it's also, like, like uh, you, you are going to want to be careful with it. And care, uh, uh, like, my, um, if you look on the, the bottom left and right corners of your Switch, after you've sort of uh, taken it in and out of the dock a few times, you might notice some scuffs there, and that's because there are these little rubber stoppers on the inside that sort of hold it in place, but the thing is, is that they rub up against the plastic screen, and if you, mm. like even if you're really careful, like I've been really careful putting it in and out, and I'm starting to see these little uh, little scuff marks on those spots, so I'm I'm actually picking up a uh, uh, like a like a screen cover, not the official the the official PDP one I hear is a bunch of hot trash, uh, and it doesn't actually fit the screen, so don't get that one. Uh, there's one that I found on Amazon. It was like a glass uh, glass cover for like ten bucks. Um, hmm seems like it's it's going to do the job nicely. But yeah, like it's it's and it's the first system that I I felt like like the first Nintendo system that I felt like I need to buy one of those because, you know, because it doesn't have the clamshell because like this this dock is like it, it works, but it's like, "Oh, you're you're going to mess up my screen." I don't want to I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So, how have you guys primarily been playing it? I uh, it's it's funny. I was expecting to when I started like playing Zelda seriously, I was like, all right, I'm gonna sit down in my you know in my office in front of my big nice television, and I'm gonna do it that way. And I think I only played on the TV for maybe twenty minutes just to check it out, and immediately went back to holding the Switch. Like I love playing it as a proper handheld rather than on TV. What mm-hmm. did, what were you guys doing?
3: Um, was, I'm I'm uh, playing the. Um... Do you want to go first, Connor?
2: No, go ahead, Dave.
3: Okay. No, I've been playing mostly on handheld as well, just because, like, my uh, my kid likes to watch the Muppets. Um, and uh, so we'll have the Muppets on, and I'll just be sitting on the couch and playing Zelda. And uh, when he goes to bed and the switch is almost... Like, the battery's almost dead. I'll pop it back in and play on the TV. But uh, I've been finding, like, like, playing handheld mode with Zelda is actually... Like, the controls are a little weird to get used to uh just the way that the sort of the Joy-Con buttons and analog sticks are spaced out on the um are they on, are on the, the controls analogs? different
0: with the with the Pro controller?
3: Uh, no. No, the, no no they're not okay. different but the Pro controller is much more comfortable. Um, it's much more like holding an actual like video game controller. Uh it's like like Yeah, I, if you look
2: at the if you look at the Joy-Cons then like the the sticks are directly above and below the buttons. Whereas, yeah. you know, with a typical controller, there's that offset, so that's going to feel different, you know, yeah. it's not quite as easy to swap between them.
3: I, I likened it, like, back when I played it at South by Southwest to the Vita, and it feels like a, a bigger, nicer Vita still, like, when you're okay. playing with the Joy-Cons. And the other thing that I noticed, too, uh, playing Zelda on handheld mode, there are certain shrine dungeons that, like, certain puzzles that require you to tilt... The, the Joy-Cons or the gamepad, like the motion controls, to like move little mazes and little structures around. Hmm. And that's really hard to do
2: <laughs> when you have
3: <laughs> the Joy-Cons attached to the system. But um, what I found is that if you just attach the right one, all of the motion controls that, that you use for rotating those puzzles are all out of the right Joy-Con. So you just attach that one, and you're, you're good to go. But yeah, that part's a little weird because some of the puzzles actually require you to turn the controller like all the way around, <laughs> and it's like I, I can't, <laughs> what? I can't see this. <laughs> this is what
0: Dave um, is there. I thought there was an option in the menu to turn off all motion controls. Is that not true?
3: Um, there's an option to turn off motion controls for aiming and for um. Sheikah slate, like the camera, I think, but I don't know yeah. about uh, for the, like the actual puzzles.
0: I was very surprised because in the very very first shrine you go into in Breath of the Wild, uh, you you the first power, the first like item you unlock is you get the ability for your your tablet thing, Link's you know Palm Pilot that he gets his nineteen ninety eight Palm Pilot, Palm Pilot uh, wow. <laughs> with with a black black and white <laughs> dot matrix screen. Um, it, it gets like a magnet power, and you have to move these big stone slabs around, which I couldn't figure out how to get to this treasure chest and they It tried me crazy. You can pick up uh, the treasure chest,
3: huh? You just pick up the treasure chest.
0: No, there's yeah. a treasure chest on the wall. Like yeah. it's it's high on the wall.
3: Yeah, and you just pick it up with the well, magnet. Pick it's, it's up it's the treasure, son of a bitch!
0: Oh. Aww. <laughs> I spent half an hour trying to stack those stupid plates on top of each other <laughs> with the boxes. I hate you, Zelda. <laughs> you, Zelda. you do
2: a I lot mean, of I picking can't. up metal chests. Like, anytime you're over a lake or something, just turn on Magnesis and and you can see like an outline of any metal objects nearby and chances are...
0: Uh, yeah. I feel like a real dummy. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it was highlighted, and I just wasn't even paying attention. God damn it. I was, ple- I was pleasantly surprised, though, because that same temple was in the Wii U E3 demo right. of Breath of the Wild this past year, and it was motion-based. Like, you had to, like, move around the Wii U gamepad to move the magne- magnetic stuff... And I was like, well, that's going to be very annoying, Nintendo. <laughs> and the fact that I could just use the analog sticks to do it, I was like, this is delightful, yay! Uh, Yeah, Zelda, man. I it, it, It's weird that it's... Let's keep talking about the hardware before we do like a deep dive on Breath of the Wild, because I feel like, as with playing Breath of the Wild, once you do a little bit of it, you kind of get swept away in just doing whatever comes to mind while you're doing it uh yeah what what about the hardware surprised you connor when you started setting everything up what were you sort of not expecting based on what you'd read about the machine uh before touching it
2: i feel like there's a very specific uh topic you're angling around here and yes it is a small small thing when you open that box it's like oh wow this is actually a little portable console it's not it's not you know a wii that you can also take with you on the go. It's like a Vita that you can plug into your TV, like yeah. a slightly yeah. larger Vita. Uh, yeah,
0: it, it's funny. I actually wasn't going there. I wasn't. I wasn't going for size, but it's interesting to hear you sort of stress that it is really tiny. I was surprised that the, 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 the tablet was so tiny when I first unboxed it. But then once I clicked in the Joy Cons and was holding it that mm-hmm. way, I was like, "Oh, this is this is a bigger." This is the nice size. I like yeah. this. I like what this is. It's not too small by any means. It's not if
1: if I remember right from size comparison videos and uh, pictures on the internet. It's not as thick or as plasticky feeling as the Wii U gamepad, and the screen takes up more space on the Switch. But in terms of width, it's about that wide.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah that's it's right. perfectly put. Yeah. It feels it it. it de- it feels like the Wii U got dumped, which it did. Everybody <laughs> broke up with the Wii U almost immediately, and then Wii U was like, "I'm going to the Bahamas. I'm gonna get my groove back." Dropped like thirty pounds, and is just like looking real like nice and fit and and sexy. That is that is the switch compared to the Wii U gamepad. Also, it um, got
2: it's left and right arms amputated and then like reattached <laughs> with <laughs> robot joints. Yeah.
0: It got it got it got weird detachable arms. <laughs> Dave, how about you? What sort of you know you you got to play it at Hack South, right? But your ability to just really mess around with the hardware was pretty limited there.
3: Yeah, my the thing that I well one like the the size like it's it is much smaller. If you haven't had a chance to mess with one, it is much smaller in person than any video or screenshot. Can really sell to you because you look at it, you're like oh my god this thing is tiny, uh, but uh, the one thing that like I really sort of found myself impressed by was how fast it is how snappy yeah. the the user interface and the system is like especially compared to a system as beefy as the PlayStation Four like. When you hit the share button on your PS4 it takes a couple seconds for like the screenshot to save and then like you have to go in the thing and then you load up a special app that'll let you mess with your screenshots and like eh. but no like this you hit the button screenshot saved hit home boom you're back you're instantly back home right right hit the button you're in albums now you can post to Twitter like it is one of the snappiest consoles I think I've ever Played like ever, like it, it's just it, it, you, you go from turning the thing on from sleep to in back into Zelda within literal seconds. It is, yeah, it, it is like, and a lot of that is just because it's all flash memory, right? Like, it's the, the, the hard drive in the system is flash memory, the cartridges are flash memory, um, it's all very tablet. Based, you're not worrying about optical discs or loading or like optical hard drives or anything like that. So nothing has to spool up. So yeah, you just you hit a couple buttons and you're literally back in a game playing Zelda, uh, and then you can zip back and forth between friend menus and eShop takes a couple seconds to load, but that's because it's connecting. Like it's. It is a fast fast system and I was not expecting it especially after the Wii U. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Wii U wait doing anything on the Wii U takes like like you you, you are counting literal seconds uh being deducted from your life. Um <laughs> But yeah. you the, the hours
0: wasted waiting for the Wii U operating system to do things that you wanted to do, are, yeah. are, 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 are numerous.
3: You'll never get that time back. But the Switch is just, it's, it's instantaneous. And it just, the yeah, whole man. experience just dissolves into your hands while you're playing it. Like, you don't think about anything. Um, that's been really cool.
0: Yeah, I, I, this is such a weird thing. This is just a weird name to think of in regards to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, but as I was messing around with it, I kept thinking of David Jaffe. Okay. Just in any moment. Think of David Jaffe. I wonder what Twisted which, Metal's
3: David Jaffe is up to right now. <laughs>
0: Twisted Metal's Jaffe, yeah. He's he's at a Taco Bell eating Pintos and cheese and wondering where the time went. Uh, <laughs> the David Jaffe, if anybody doesn't remember, was the creator of Twisted Metal and God of War. Uh, a very outspoken gentleman uh, once upon a time in, in the video game landscape. But when... Twisted Metal uh, PS3 came out. I remember he did. It was either a talk at GDC or an article for uh, like that ran on Gamma Sutra during GDC. But it was about how the the biggest problem in game design as of like this the HD console generation and beyond was the amount of time between turning a thing on and playing a game that it had gotten absurd for people and motion controls and all of these different things about like what can we do to make games more accessible to people was sort of besides the point because the biggest problem was you would turn on the console and then you would wait for the console to go through its flashy intro animation and then you would have to go through the licensing screen for you to be reminded what company made this console and then you'd have to go into the, the cross-media bar menu or the Xbox Blades. And then you'd select your game. Then you would wait for the game to update. Then after the update, you would have to sit through nine different title screens and unskippable animation. And he was like, the, the days of just turning a machine on and pressing start and getting in there are just gone. And that's a problem. And the Switch is the first thing... Like, I, I love the PlayStation 4, uh, and the Xbox One has certainly improved. Uh, I love my Vita and my 3DS, but all of these things feel like goddamn snails compared to the Switch. Mm-hmm. Like, when you turn it on, you're-, you're playing something instantly. And, you know, I've heard people sort of, like, complaining about weird things, like, where's the jaunty music in the, in the shop? Why is there no, like, fancy music like there is on Wii and Wii U? Who cares? It works better. I can actually buy I do, something.
3: I do miss the eShop music just because it's, like, the the, the weird Nintendo thing. Like, there aren't... It mm. doesn't seem like there are as many weird Nintendo touches in this yeah. system compared to, like, the 3DS. Like, the 3DS, you load up the music player player, and there's a little bird giving you tooltips. <laughs> like, right. that kind of thing is gone. Like, it's a very sort of uh, spartan, austere kind of uh, UI. Very clean, very minimal. Um, it makes really cute noises, though. Like, all of the little sound effects when you go into menus and stuff um, are really nice. But, yeah, like, I do miss the, the music in the eShop, but, like... If, if that was the trade-off <laughs> between, like, okay, well, we can have music in the eShop where it takes five minutes to load, uh, uh, I'll say, okay, drop the drop the music. It's fine. It's fine. I just want to get in and buy my shit and go play, like, now.
1: Yeah. The music um, is
3: what was holding holding the
1: Wii U
2: back. Yes, that's what it was. With all that music. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it had, it's an entire stick of RAM dedicated to the music, and it all spooled up ahead of time. <laughs>
3: That's a that is a Nintendo you know, you you would say that and I would be like, Yeah, no, Nintendo would do that. That's a Nintendo thing to do is to <laughs> devote a stick of RAM to menu music. Yamauchi
2: san was very clear. <laughs> he was adamant in his will. He's No,
3: you must have delightful Muzak playing on every menu screen. <laughs> Uh, so pre... Dave, is there anything else you've been playing besides Zelda? Did you get anything else? Did you get uh, the Snipper Clips? I play a little bit of Snipperclips. Uh, it is... It is a... It is a delightful little game. There's... Like, there's not a lot to it. It's like, it, what you see is what you get. You move these two little characters around. You cut each other out. Um, you solve little bite-sized puzzles. There are a couple, um, party modes. Uh, it is... It is a very co-op-focused game. You can play the... This... The puzzle stuff... By yourself but it's not ideal because you have to switch between two characters and some of the puzzles are easier solved when you can have two people moving independently to like carry a thing together um also that game doesn't have pro controller support the only way you can play that game is with the joy cons which means you have to put those joy cons on their side and that is not ideal
2: yeah. like like it,
3: it it is one of those things that like if if you are out and about on a road trip or something and like you don't want to carry a bunch of stuff with you playing with the joy con on its side is is a solution it is a way to do it without like carrying mountains of accessories with you and if that's what you have in a pinch that's fine if it's the only way that you're gonna play snipper clips uh <laughs> it, it is, is it, it Go ahead. what
2: is with games not supporting the pro controller like what what what's so hard about getting that in there you know like I, I was playing blaster master zero and I I was actually there was there was a good five minutes where I was like going back and forth and saying okay well why isn't this taking like I can I can get play navigate the menus fine with this but then it just you know shorts out and I realized in the little controller setup screen that's like oh you can either play it with the uh, Joy Cons docked or Joy Cons undocked, there is no Pro <laughs> Controller support. Even though I, it's the exact same damn control interface, yeah. it's just they didn't check a box somewhere. And yeah, you really I want a good D-pad for Blaster Master?
3: Yeah, I don't know. Like I uh, apparently the the Joy Con or the the Pro Controller support is coming. Like they they said on Twitter that they're trying to get that in for the U.S. release uh, via a patch, but. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's 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 real weird. So it's like like I can't just give the Joy Cons to, to my wife while I play with the Pro Controller. It's like no, I have to play with the left Joy Con. You have to play with the right one. This is like this is really tiny and very cramped. And like, there's got to be a better way, but there's not. Um, yeah. That said, like it is it is a fun little game. Um, I'm still trying to like. I've I've been really preoccupied with Zelda, so I haven't had too much time to dig into it. But like, if you're looking for a fun little co- uh, couch co-op mini game, that seems like it'll fit the bill. Um, also, play a little bit of Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight is Shovel Knight. I haven't played the expansion yet, though. Which uh, so okay, you did. man.
0: That yeah, that's the thing. I've been playing. I I played more Specter of Torment than I played of Breath of the Wild over the weekend, and it it was <laughs> honestly on Friday. It was, oh, well, I, I want something else to check out on here. So I'm going to buy Bomberman. I'm going to buy Super Bomberman R, like a patriot and a champion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a goddamn Lucas, American hero. Like, like a goddamn American hero. But Lucas, uh, GamesRadar's own Lucas, asked me to play some Shovel Knight, to write about it on the site. And I have been, I, I enjoyed the Plague Knight expansion for shovel knight but that was just shovel knight basically with a different guy and i i was when they were like specter of torment i was like oh cool man like i hit those stretch goals over the course of half a decade but uh (laughs) maybe i oh shovel knight but then i started playing it and i was like all right i'm just gonna play this for an hour i'm just gonna play this for two hours Oh my! Oh my! Switch died while I was holding it. Uh, Specter of Torment is just really, really, really good. It's uh, it is less Plague Knight. Really felt like just Shovel Knight Remix, uh,
2: yeah.
0: with the same levels. Uh, Specter of Torment. You play as uh, Edge Lord boss <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from Shovel Knight. <sighs> Die. You die! <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say, he mains Reaper, right? He, 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 he totally mains Reaper. Uh, he has the scythe and the ripped cloak. Like, I totally would have de- like, dressed like this asshole in 1997 while I listened to KMFDM albums. Uh, <laughs> he was really mad that, that Darksiders is, that...
3: 2 didn't continue the story of Darksiders 1. <laughs> like, he got yes, really yeah. mad about that on message boards. Just,
0: Just rage. But... What is different is all, like, you you would not be able to even play the stages in Spectre of Torment with the other characters. Because his mobility is completely changed. They completely uh, rethought how to, like, design platforming levels and how the character moves. So, there's a a sort of Ninja Gaiden-y element where he can now run up walls. But the bigger thing is the stages are designed entirely around your ability to slash enemies with the scythe in midair, or like lanterns that are hanging in midair, and it sort of slingshots you across the screen. And all of the platform challenges are based around, like, run up a wall, and once you start running up a wall, it's, like, it's not like Ninja Gaiden, you don't just cling there, you start running up it and you can't change directions. You either come off or you follow that momentum. And you have to backflip off and then you'll be in midair just chaining together these slingshot maneuvers. And at first, I was like, this is one of the hardest goddamn platformers I think I've played in a long time. It felt a lot uh, a lot like Rayman Legends, actually. Like a, like a sort of chunky version of Rayman Legends or Rayman Origins. But the more I played, the more I got used to it and the more it, it just is really, really fun. And it was interesting hearing you say that you felt like you wanted a better D-pad uh, while playing Blaster Master Connor because at first I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to play this with the Joy-Con directional buttons. It's just, it, it, you need to be too precise. But I acclimated to it pretty quickly. Yeah, they like, work
3: really well, like surprisingly well. Surprisingly uh, well. for At least for Shovel Knight. I don't know about Blaster Master, but like... Like running around and doing the little, uh, like the shovel hops and stuff. Like it, it's, it's, it's not. It, it it does take some getting used to, but it's it's not like it's not unplayable by any yeah. means. Yeah, no,
2: they they work fine. They're just not as comfortable.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, so the thing that
0: ended up hooking me is I don't know. Have all have you guys all played the original Shovel Knight? I know you have, Dave, yeah. Sam, Connor. If you played yep. Shovel Knight, so uh, there's. I have not. Oh you haven't. Oh it's great, it's yeah, You would love it. Um, I was a backer. Yeah, you backer. I'm a backer. <laughs> Way back. It was a long time ago now. It was. That was 5 years ago. Uh but the so there was like the hub world, that, that you would have like you went to a couple of towns in Shovel Knight. Mm-hmm. And in Specter of Torment, the o- there's only uh, one hub because the uh, the story is Specter Knight is gathering all the evil knights together for the enchantress. So you're in the castle from the end of Shovel Knight, and that's your base of operations. And uh, in writing about it, it's kind of like the Nightmare Before Christmas version of Shovel Knight. Like, it's just like, your currency is red skulls that you collect, and you talk to ghosts and monsters at the castle. Uh, And while you're there, like in Shovel Knight, you can uncover secret rooms in the hub. And sort of unlock little bonus challenges to earn extra money or items, and one of the hidden rooms that you find, and you can accept, you can access this like pretty much right from the beginning of the game. You can access a challenge room where the guy, where there's a guy who's just like, I've built a, an impossible tower, and if you can climb it, I'll give you a reward. And it is, it, it's procedurally generated but each time it sort of varies these different sections. Uh, You can learn all of the different sections that you'll run into in this constantly uh, rising tower that you have to go up, but uh, it's remixed every time. So you can't just absolutely memorize it and prepare. You can just memorize each section and try to prepare for where it will show up. But a, a, a laser beam starts rising from the bottom and you have to climb as quickly as possible before it catches you or you fall in a pit. And it's just all the platforming. It's all wall running and doing the scythe slingshot thing. And I that's what I did for like three hours straight uh, when my Switch died. Because <laughs> I kept playing that. Because I was like, this is impossible. It can't be done with the Joy-Cons. This is doable. I'm getting it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it! <laughs> and just repeat, 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 and it's like I was like they—they they could sell this section as an iOS game on its own, like charge this thing by itself for a buck, and it would be an awesome game. Uh, yeah, Spectre of Torment is really, really, really cool. It is only ten dollars if you just want that. Uh, if you have Shovel Knight for anything else, you'll get it for free eventually. But right now, it is only available uh, on Switch, so that's it's actually kind of like a cool little timed exclusive for people that have the system. I did also get Super Bomberman R, like a true American hero. Uh, look, your cu- your country thanks you for your service. I, I, <laughs> I, number one, I, I like full disclosure. I traded some stuff into GameStop to get this game. I didn't give real money dollars. To- <laughs> For this thing, it was games I had already played and finished, and I I recycled them at America's favorite pawn shop. Uh, It's really really. I I don't I would not say go out and spend fifty dollars on Super Bomberman R. It is there. A lot of people were like, this game is overpriced. It is overpriced. There is a lot of game there though. Like it's really long. And it's also really good. <laughs> I think that people just automatically think, uh, Konami, Bomberman. <laughs> and they, like, like Connor, they think of of erotic violence, Buttwick, Bomber Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, uh, like, it, it is. If there had been a Bomberman game made for the Dreamcast, this would be the HD re release of Bomberman Dreamcast. It is a very. Well, they- got Have that game. GameCube one. It's so it's not it's not an adventure like so the GameCube and N sixty four Bomberman games are like almost platformery. This is sort of like that in that they're the single player campaign has a, like varied goals and stages, and there are actually boss fights. But it is more just like the traditional old school Bomberman. Like you're in you're in a grid. You have to bomb your way through it. You have to either. Uh, destroy a set number of enemies or hit a selection of switches or, you know, just contained goals. But it looks really nice and it plays really well and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. I I feel... It it sounds kind of like the the multiplayer of Bomberman generation. Yes, it is like the multiplayer of Bomberman generation and the multiplayer does just work like that. But the stages are... So, like...
1: I, I mean, I'm sold on that, on yeah. that premise. At, at that point, you've got me, because that was a... We would play that game all the time. Yeah,
0: it's that. Uh, after school. It, yeah. it, it's that, and it runs really, really well, and it looks... It's a little bit, like, sort of uh, grimier. Like, just the art style is very uh, dark when you would expect Bomberman to sort of just be, like, bright and bubbly. And it's bright and bubbly sometimes, but the, you know, the first sort of... Series of eight stages in a boss fight. It, it sort of reminds me of the art style in Ratchet and Clank more than anything else. You know, it's a lot of like gleaming metal surfaces and stuff like it's, that. It's
3: it's a nostalgic throwback to uh, Bomberman Act Zero, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're they're trying to get back to the Bomberman Act Zero. Roots. What
3: every everyone has been waiting for is yeah.
0: The... <laughs> <laughs> it's I I will say like. We were looking at the character portraits for this game last week before it came out. And one of them is like a, a girl bomber man. And it's like, she hates violence. And we were laughing at that. And then in the actual practice of the game, you the first boss you fight is like a bomber man guy with magnet, magnet powers. So his bombs chase you through the maze. And there's like a cutscene after you beat him. Where it's like, Bomberman is yelling at him, like, he's like, I'm gonna blow you up! And the other guy's like, I'm gonna blow you up! And the, the Aqua Girl Bomberman just keeps being like, stop fighting. Please stop fighting. Stop fighting. (laughs) And then her eyes set on fire, and she just goes, no violence! And beats the shit out of both of them. It's a great game. (laughs) I'm selling it. Uh... Not Bomberman Ag Zero, but Blaster Master Zero. Connor, what do you what do you think of it? This is out already on the Japanese eShop, which Dave has written a guide. You can access that if you want to. Doesn't matter where you are; you can buy games in the Japanese eShop. It's out this week in the U.S. And Connor, you started it. You've already been playing this game.
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm about halfway through the the second area. There's like a that starts out with the the standard, you know, like wooded area, and then you go underground, and then there's the uh that turns into like kind of a cityscape and i'm about halfway through that and uh yeah i played i was a little young for uh blaster master when it first came out but it was one of those games that i'd occasionally pop into the nes and you know play through some and i'd always get stuck in the underwater part um so when i was playing blaster master zero this time i i like avoided underwater for as long as possible but actually it um I wasn't sure what it was actually going in because I didn't read that much about it beforehand. But it's not—it's not a sequel. It's not like a reboot. It's like it is Blaster Master just fleshed out, mm. like with one and a half times as many pixels on screen, and you know, save points so that you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning of the goddamn stage. So is it like um,
3: like would you say it's like the the Metroid Zero Mission of Blaster Master?
2: That that's a good way to put it, but it's even closer to the original Metroid okay. than Metroid Zero Mission was because it still has it still has art that isn't wouldn't quite be feasible on the NES, but is close. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you know the Zero Mission had the like basically looked like Super Metroid,
3: right? Yeah,
0: it's like Shovel Knighty in in so far as like yeah, it's yeah. emulating an eight bit look, but is is more advanced than that.
2: Definitely, yep. Yeah, Um, but no, it feels it feels good. They've uh, revamped the controls a little bit. Like now, you can use the shoulder buttons to aim diagonally again, like Metroid. Um, You can, uh, you know, do quick swaps between your weapons. Uh, You can get a, a map again, like Metroid. Like really, many of the changes they've made have made it feel like kind of a kind of a faster like more level based metroid and that is as far as i've gone so far you don't really need to backtrack to previous levels all that much but the actual Mm. stages that you're going through you will be like going back and forth between like in the original blaster Blaster master Um, cool the uh, the top down sections are still kind of like i mean you you get the best upgradable weapon thing and you just kind of breeze through them if you don't have that they're not all that interesting. You're kind of just Connor. Do you lose?
0: Do you still lose weaponry if you get touched? Oh yeah. Yep. Oh god, Blaster Master. Why are you so mean? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I do like the way that they fleshed it out. Now it's kind of a different interplay because as you're going through the game, you're steadily upgrading your tank, Sophia, Sophia the uh, Third, and you know the tank is just getting better and better. So it's kind of nice to have that. Uh, that different progression with jason where you're just really trying to you know play perfect and not get hit because you don't want to lose your awesome like hmm. uh helix blaster or whatever it's called so i do, I do <laughs> your, kind of your your weird
0: that stream of of boomerangs coming out of your gun <laughs> they're <laughs> not boomerangs in this one <laughs> so well so it, it was this is, like it, yeah no go ahead oh uh, no just this is
3: more based off of the the japanese version right like there's no kid chasing a frog down a well
2: well, that was that was literally just the intro, right? Right. Like, I yeah. Think, yep. Yeah. I and mean, and, no, and a frog
0: boss. There is a giant frog you have to blow up. Okay. At one point,
2: you are still chasing after a frog. Oh. I don't know if that was in the Japanese version, but in this case, it's a magical frog of scientific importance. And oh yeah. I'm chasing after it. Okay, so yeah. they
3: they fixed the lore then. <laughs> okay, totally.
2: Yep.
1: Fully right. The Blaster Master Lore Hounds will appreciate mm-hmm. this. See expanded
0: you, universe you you joke sam but like most people are like oh yeah blaster master the nes game they're not aware that there is a blaster master 2 for nes a different blaster master 2 for sega genesis a playstation 1 exclusive called mm-hmm. blaster master blasting again that game wasn't where in you oh it's so bad <laughs> it's and not you, good <laughs> like it's all canon it's like they blended the story of the original and the U.S. version, so you're playing as the children <laughs> of Jason and his dumb lost frog. They didn't. They're not the child, children of the oh, frog. Oh, I was gonna say just, <laughs> yeah, no. Jason and his that's tank. not no. Uh, and then they've actually tried this before, doing a sort of like an overhaul of the original, the one and only WeeWare original that sunsoft made was actually called blaster master overdrive and it is it, it, it's not as high quality as what you're describing connor uh but it was like an attempt to just remake the first one in a lot of ways and it just it, it didn't work oh my god blaster <laughs> master overdrive is dire it looks like uh, uh y- you ever see like Japanese PC-only games from the early aughts. Everything looks like it has Vaseline over it. (laughs) Uh, Not not an ideal game. It's just cool to hear that they finally... They've they've tried this so many times, and it sounds like this is the ideal Blaster Master experience.
2: Yeah, well, this this isn't Sun, Is Sunsoft even still a thing? It, so it's Sunsoft just, does no longer licensed it.
0: Yeah, they don't. Sunsoft no longer has internal development. This is all Intercreates, and my understanding is that Intercreates like sought this out. Intercreates was like, yes, we want to make a new
2: Blaster Master. Mm-hmm. And they're like, really? Okay uh yeah oh and you find uh, a cute girl who is a mechanic who has amnesia and fixes up your tank because...
0: oh so it's definitely an into creates yep, game it's one of those games <laughs> <laughs> so it is into creates as hell mm-hmm. uh i really i really like when into creates uh sort of strikes out on their own and do, do weird things i love their azer striker gunvolt games even though they're they're all sort of flawed and unique ways uh it sounds like blaster master uh zero is a huge
2: improvement over mighty number no. Nine. <laughs> oh god i still have that sitting in my steam library <laughs> I, I played a, a stage at e3 once and i was like well i think I've, i'm satisfied with my well you experience. tried <laughs> well I, you tried.
0: I i i like that game uh that game is uh that game is a year away from being a really good game uh, a year, I know. I know that giving that game more time is not exactly a thing people wanted to do, but Intecreates could have done it had they not been trying to release it on eleven platforms simultaneously. Uh, so yeah, to to sort of bring the Switch conversation home, there is also a wee little game called Zelda One Breath Two of the Wild. Switch. One Two
2: Switch, <laughs> <No>. milking <laughs> everybody. Let's all milk together. Uh why didn't no. they release that years ago just as we milk W-F-I-N. we milk oh my no. god
0: the by the way i just want to put this out there we received a press release on friday of some company saying like wouldn't you like an article by a real farmhand to explaining how authentic one two switches milking is and sam pro was like yes son we did it already bam milked that's not what Sam said. You got milked. <laughs> you got... I might
1: have... I, I said that to you guys. I respectfully declined their offer. <laughs> you, didn't, you,
0: you didn't run up to him and just say, like, yeah, son, you done got milked.
2: Just, I did not. You didn't just don't. call him up on the phone and just say, you must be Harvey because you just got milked. Wow. <laughs>
0: wow. Yes! Oh. <laughs> yes! call it we have to stop the podcast <laughs> <laughs> time of death <laughs> it's, it's time of
3: death 10:52 <laughs> a.m.
0: Uh, oh dear god uh breath of the wild yeah. connor wh- tell me about tell me about adventuring in hyrule how do you feel about it
2: i feel pretty pretty good about it so far anthony uh i've been playing with the pro controller which i actually meant to uh, mention earlier um, and when you guys were talking about the motion controls, and I, I don't know, maybe Splatoon trained me, like, but I just feel so good about just jumping right into the bow and just mm-hmm. lining up a headshot with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I like it better than just doing it with sticks. Like, you know, you can, get, you can get a shooter on sticks. You can do it well. If you're, you know, Bungie does it great all the time with all the magic they do with, you know, slowing your cursor down as it goes over a head. But... I, if you're not doing all that magic in the back end, I actually think I might prefer the system where you, you line it up with the, you know, you get the general direction with the right stick, and then you actually just move the controller a little bit, because you get so much better fine control. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Um, but no, uh, overall Breath of the Wild, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's something else. I mean, it is not at all what I had expected for a Zelda game. Uh, yeah. What
0: did well? What did you expect? Because I, I feel like uh, we collectively, as a staff, have talked a lot over the past year about what we thought this thing was going to be. Even after demoing it at events, it was like I got to play it for twenty minutes. What's it like? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like how how did it sort of buck your expectations? Well, it's just so much more
2: about. Like, you, you, you use the word sandbox with open world games a lot, right? Like, like going back to Destiny again, that's basically what they call everything that isn't a mission. Everything is the sandbox. And, you know, like, how, how do you they, they let you play around in the sandbox? But I think Breath of the Wild is maybe the best use of that term yet because they, or the truest use of it. Because they literally give you all of the tools you need in the first hour. And then they, you know, give, give you a little pat on the butt and say, all right, get out there, scoot. Use use all these, put them together in weird ways, have fun with it, you know. And they just give you these discrete, discrete like enemy camps that you can just circle and look at and say like, okay, well I could just run in there and fight, but there's one of those like blue bokoblins, he'll probably mess me up. So it, and there might be something obvious that's you know there's a ring of explosive barrels around them. Oh okay, but you could also see oh wait there's a there's a metal crate, I could lift that crate up and just frickin' drop it on the scout. And then sneak up and stab all these fools because I'm Link and there's no concept of honor anymore <laughs> in this grim far future where there is only sneak strikes. Uh, and yeah, and it, it, the going into the shrines, you know, little self-contained uh, puzzles, it feels good. It feels like it feels really measured and approachable in a way that the old Zelda dungeons weren't and, you know, mm. uh, like you'd want to clear out an evening for a Zelda dungeon. Whereas a shrine you could knock out in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And uh, I think I might, like, I haven't gotten to one of the, uh, what are they called? Like the primal beasts or whatever they're called. Yeah, like the actual dungeons. Yeah. And I've heard even there they're not, like, of the same scale. Or maybe Mm. scale isn't the way to put it, but, like, uh, intricacy, involvedness that the Hmm. old dungeons were and i don't know i i might miss that eventually but if i miss it a ton you know i'll just i'll just freaking play uh a link between worlds i can get that somewhere else yeah i'm just really enamored with how different this is you know how how willing nintendo was to just strip everything out of zelda and say okay we still have these basic building blocks how can we put them back together in a way that's completely unexpected yeah
0: yeah Uh, Dave, have you gotten to one of these dungeons? No, because I'm
3: I'm still just kind of wandering around and trying to get to the towers and find these shrines and stuff. Because, like, the towers, they fill in your map. They basically, they don't fill in icons, they just fill in topography. Um, and then from there you can kind of look out and see, like, okay, that's a cool thing I want to go check out. That's a cool thing. And you pin them to your map. And then uh, when you clear a shrine, that also creates a fast travel point and gives you a spirit orb, and you get four spirit orbs, and you can turn them in for extra hearts or more stamina meter. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been just trying to uh, to to build up my, my health and stamina and just kind of poke around and explore and get these fast travel points and take on a few quests here and there, but I haven't hit any of the big dungeons yet. But yeah, no, it's like... I'm playing this game, and, like, I told you my my opinions on Skyrim, right? Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I I get a couple hours into it, and I just bounce, because, uh, to me, like, a lot of people love the Elder Scrolls, like, world, and and the lore and all that stuff, but to me, it just, I don't have that connection to it, so it all just feels very generic, and the look of it is, like, it's kind of drab, Bethesda games are kind of janky, like, nothing looks... So, like it's all huge and like the fact that all of these systems are connected and intertwined is really impressive but like you trade some visual fidelity and just like general polish to get that sort of level of uh interconnectedness and with Zelda with breath of the wild it feels like a game with the kind of scope of Skyrim it's perhaps it's it's less impressive in the fact that you can't just go into a house and pick up everything that's nailed, that that isn't nailed down, but it has that sort of that, like, go anywhere, climb up this mountain, do whatever you want, uh, go into the forest and pick up a bunch of, like, acorns and meat and hunt animals and fight monsters and go out and explore and just get into whatever mischief that you can, but it's done with that level of Nintendo polish that you expect from, like, a Super Mario game, or, like, like any of their games are just, like are, it's really rare when you see a Nintendo game with a bug. Like, with a bad, like, game-breaking, this game is just hard-crashing to your desktop, there's nothing you can do about it kind of bug. And Breath of the Wild doesn't have any of that. Like, I haven't hit any quest glitches, like, none of my quests have broken, like, I'm not watching a dude just kind of walk into a door for thirty seconds because his pathfinding can't get him around the door. Yeah. Um yeah, there's none of that. And it's like it seeing a game of this size with the kind of just professional polish of a Nintendo game is really impressive. And like the way that they do it too the like where it actually feels like an adventure and not like a video game. Like, there aren't any levels. Like you don't level up in the traditional sense. Like you Excuse me, like you would in a Skyrim. A lot of it that is gated to your equipment, and you sort of organically find better equipment just as you're out exploring. And which,
0: man, Dave, how many times do I complain to you that this game X game lost me the moment it just starts arbitrarily being like Lara Croft is now level eight? Like what?
3: She Lara Croft is level two in Greek. (laughs)
0: <laughs> why why am i why why are you gating this like why are you gating what i can craft yeah. based around some dumb number
3: and yeah like and yeah, Zelda, yeah. like Zelda you, does not and you can go and fight ganon like uh, the second that you get your little cuz you, you're sort of the only part of the game where you are confined to a space is the very beginning when it wants you to 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 find and learn how to use all of the little tools that it gives you like the magnesis the 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 cryo the cryos something the fr- the ice yeah cryonis, the ice ability uh your bombs and your time stop ability once it gives you those and you you get your little glider you are the game basically goes yep you're good to go you can explore and if you wanted you could go to Hyrule Castle and fight Ganon with three hearts and no weapons uh, and just, like, your little naked Link self and just run up there and, you're, like, you're gonna die. You're gonna get your ass handed to you by the, like, their guardians that patrol everywhere and they will just, they will wreck you. Wreck you. Um, but if you, if that's what you wanted to do, you could do that. Um, you could solve however many dungeons or shrines as you want. You could not. Um, and the way that, like, Zelda gives you that kind of freedom is sort of unprecedented. It's unprecedented both in, like, Zelda games, but just in kind of general video game-ness. You know? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I haven't seen that. And for a company like Nintendo to to think of their players as intelligent enough to just sort of give them a couple, like, a couple tips here and there, but to generally loose them into the world is really impressive. Yeah. Um, and
0: I... I, I I've been so afraid of Dave. You and I were talking about this as we were playing all weekend, but I'm I'm reticent to call this an open world game. Right. I feel like that I feel like that term is has never been more frequently used and has never meant less than it does at in 2017. Uh, in in light of games like this and. Uh, things for the past couple of years like The Witcher and Metal Gear Solid 5 and even Horizon Zero Dawn. like Open world gets applied to all four of these games and while they share some similarities, I just don't think that that is a useful term to describe what Breath of the Wild is. You know, uh, I feel like if somebody hears the term uh, open world and knows that Breath of the Wild was in part developed by Monolithsoft who made Xenoblade Chronicles and Xenoblade Chronicles X, you would rightly expect from that that it's going to be like, here's a big list of, uh, here's a big checklist of mining data points on the map. Go to every mining data point. Get the ore from that mining data point to level up this gear and raise your gear level and blah 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 blah. And that is, that ties into sort of what we've thought a sandbox game should be since 2001 and grand theft auto 3 that we we assume that it is a checklist of Mm -hmm. some kind and even skyrim you know skyrim is like here is the checklist of quests to get in the thieves guild or the magic guild etc
2: connor I, i think yeah uh going back to that sandbox term i saw uh on a waypoint austin walker's review he was comparing it to far cry 2 and I think that that is a useful comparison to draw. Like Breath of the Wild is like Far Cry 2, whereas you know Watch Dogs, uh, Watch Dogs 2, Grand Theft Auto 5, uh, Horizon to a certain extent, they're more like you know Far Cry 3 or 4. The and the difference is that you know Far Cry 2, you had those points of interest, but a lot of it was about you know just the system that like we're going to set these. Uh, these nodes up, and then we're just going to let the systems interact with each other. And you can tip one system and see how it all shakes out. Uh, as opposed to you know, Far Cry 3 or 4, where it's a lot less emphasis on the systems. It's a lot easier to just look at a situation and know everything that's going into it, because chances are it doesn't change that much from place to place. You know, you're just like, OK, I'm going to take out this outpost like I did all the other ones, except in this case, there's a cage full of tigers. That, that's that's what makes this situation different is that the developers placed something here that makes it different instead of me being able to come in and say okay this is just how you know like fundamentally I want to alter my approach. Mm-hmm. Those Sorry, bombs
3: roll know, down a hill man.
2: My cat is yeah. joining the conversation. Um, <laughs> hashtag join the conversation. Um, oh he
1: did talk about and, he talked about his big his wild cousin the tiger yep. Tigre.
2: So yeah I think that like We have kind of started to use Sandbox and Open World interchangeably, but if I was going to be able to, you know, make my make a definitive statement about the gaming lexicon, I think that would be a useful distinction Mm -hmm. to draw is that open world games are games where, you know, you can go wherever you want between missions. Sandbox games are games that are all about playing with those systems. And like
3: and the the thing about Breath of the Wild is that like structurally, it's not very different from a lot of those uh open world games like like it's like horizon where it's like okay you go you talk to a person you get a quest you go to the quest marker um you go you reveal your map and it shows you all these little icons on the screen and it like here are the points of interest that you can go and interact with it's it's definitely more systems driven than than that like it is closer to far cry 2 but it's still like it has a lot of the traffic. like there are a hundred shrines all the shrines are different, but there are a hundred of them that you can go and find. There are literal towers that you climb to reveal the map, mm-hmm. but the, the difference that Breath of the Wild makes is where a game like Assassin's Creed, you would reveal the map and it would show you everything that you can do in that area.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Breath of the Wild doesn't show you anything. Yeah. The only time that it tells you where to go sometimes is when you get a quest. Uh, some quests are like, hey, I need you to find this thing, but I don't know where it is. Here's a riddle that you can solve, and you can go out and solve it, but your quest marker just tells you where to return once you find it. Um, whereas like other quests are like, okay, well, you need to go over to this general area and and talk to somebody, and, and then they will help move the quest along in, a, in another direction. Uh, but yeah, like when you go to a tower and you reveal the map, the game doesn't tell you what is interesting the game is not adventuring for you you actually are going on like you are the one doing the discovering um which is like it is such a small change like it's the difference between putting all the icons in the map and then putting nothing on the map but by putting nothing on the map it actually feels like you're the one going out and making the discoveries uh rather than the game telling you okay here's where to go and by doing that you feel like you're actually engaging with the world and looking around and poking into things rather than just running from point A to point B and just skipping past all of this art that people make. Like, and I can't tell you how many times in Assassin's Creed you just put on a quest marker and you just run down like a cobblestone street and brush past like dozens of NPCs and you're as you're running through a crowd just to get to the quest marker to do the next mission. Um, whereas this is like, okay, well, my quest is over here, but if I look around like, oh, there's a, there's a little bombable wall here, what's behind, oh, it's a shrine, okay, and then you go and you do that, and you're like, what, oh, well, what's over here, there's a little thing out of place over here, if I pick up this rock and, oh, it's a Korok seed that I found, it was hidden here, and, like, the game is filled with all kinds of little things that reward you for going off the beaten path, um, and i think that like like i i, I was lo- i was playing that and then i think back b- about my time with like horizon like horizon i i liked it but it's still like horizon felt like a video game then um, there was never any point where i was like like this isn't a video game whereas like zelda i mean it's still a video game but it feels like a world if that makes sense
2: yeah it's, no, it's a world sense. it's right. a world that's there for link to mess around with yeah. definitely but it is a world. Sam,
1: I have a a question. Yes. So everything that I have heard about Breath of the Wild is all about the praise of, uh, like you were saying, the systems interacting with each other, messing around, and the freedom that it offers you. I feel like uh, a decent chunk of Zelda fans like Zelda for its story. Is that still a major focus? Does it feel like you are playing through a series of chapters from beginning to end, or is it just a collection of quests and things to mess around with until you can get to the final boss?
3: So that's interesting because, like, there is a story, and it is a, it is a pretty good one, and it's one that actually like it uses the framework of an open world. To its benefit I think but it's not like okay so you complete the first dungeon and then that part of the story is completed then you complete this dungeon and then because because it's open world and free form you can tackle any of the dungeons in any order you want it's hard to tell that kind of story right like so you're not gonna get like okay chapter one is done and then you move on to chapter two and then like here's the here you know here's the the mid-act sort of story and then you know that like there's gonna be an ending like I, I'm assuming that the end of the game is you fight Ganon um, but you know I could be totally wrong but like the story that you get then is instead doled out with the various quests like the a lot of the main quests that you find and you'll go and you'll meet various uh, characters and then they'll give you little bits and pieces of the the history of the world and the story and what's going on with their specific like, their thing. Like, what they're dealing with right now. And then you'll go off to another town, you'll talk to more people, and you'll get their story. And then you'll also find these, um... Eventually you'll get to a point where you can look for memories. Like, you'll find these special landmarks. And, uh, Link will basically regain a memory. Because he's been, he's been, uh, sleeping for, like, a hundred years and doesn't remember anything that happened before he woke up. So you'll go and you'll get little pieces of um, the backstory that led up to why this, the world is in the state that it's in right now. And you're getting all of these things sort of piecemeal, but they are all of a piece. And um, I'm expecting that by the time like you sort of finish all of the main quests and all the dungeons, that everything will coalesce into one big thing. Um, that leads you to Ganon, and like the, it's it's really interesting because it, it it really it feels like it's less about telling a consistent like three act narrative than more about building up the the emotion and the sort of the the emotion really it's it it's a lot about the the uh, environment the ambience of being in this sort of ruined slightly decaying slightly hopeful world um and living and being a part of that it's a it's a different way of telling a story but it's very the way that they choose to do it is very effective and it's like they they embrace the open world story structure in a way that's to its benefit unlike final fantasy 15 where it's like you just you can just dick around for 15 hours and nothing happens you know yeah
0: and that's, I mean, that's 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 kind of a problem that even The Witcher has. Yeah. Uh, where where you go from, you know, basically, you know, punching a drunk in an alley to meeting with the kings of the earth and destir- determining the fate of all of existence two seconds later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds... Zelda, I, we're, I think all three of us are just sort of scratching the surface of what this game actually is. I'm, I'm kind of... I even with all the reviews out about this game, I feel like most people don't have a complete sense of what it can be, and it's been a really long time. It's probably been since the first Demon Souls game that a game came out, and it's like, yeah, there's a guidebook. You can read the guidebook for what it is, but you're not going to really understand what this game can do until people just start playing it and talking about it with each other. Yeah, and I, I, I you know, I feel i've never ever seen a game come out where i thought to myself i'm just going to be like searching breath of the wild on youtube to see what people are doing in it to to sort of learn about what it is um there is one non-nintendo game out this week that people should take notice of it's a miracle no, wait, wait, wait before before we move on uh, do you want me to tell the the interesting? Uh, let's, let's 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 get let's get to near. Let's get to near Automata because we're we're we're, right. we're we're running we're running long as it is. So right. let's let's talk about the game that we really really want people to play. Yes, near
1: Automata. It is a fantastic game, and you should definitely play it. I understand that it is coming out kind of sandwiched between other much larger games like horizon and breath of the wild and later this month there's uh mass effect andromeda that should absolutely not stop anybody from picking this up because it is fantastic and uh digestible it is a uh since David was talking about you know the definition of open world, I don't know if it if it fits this, but I would I would say it is a small scale open world game where you have distinct uh, biomes and environments that you traverse through with no loading screens and or very few loading screens anyway, um, and uh, they feel connected yet separate. Um, But they also don't feel intimidating. And you, if you want the main storyline, you could power through that uh, in fewer than 20 hours.
0: Hmm. Even with, so, Nier has a very unusual structure. You know, we were talking about sort of the weird uh, way that Zelda doles out story, and Nier... Nier is more, tr- is alternately more traditional and not traditional at freaking all except to its own little weird series universe of Nier and Drankagard games. So you'll play through the story, and then you will see the ending, you will see the credits roll, but the game is not done. Right. Uh, it, in fact, when you
1: beat, quote-unquote, air quotes, beat uh, Automata the first time, uh, there's a message at the end of the credits that's like, we hope you enjoy the rest of the game. <laughs> <a> what? <laughs> Record yeah. scratch. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: it's... Um, I, I feel like it's a little bit different than the than the first Nier and uh, the Guards in, in that respect, because I, I have not played through all the way the previous Guard games or the first Nier, I'm currently playing through the first Nier because this game inspired me to pick it up. Um, but from what I understand, and Anthony, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, uh, when you replay a Guard game or um, the original Nier, you are largely going through the same places and same story beats, mm, albeit... No. Well, like,
0: no. You're going through, like, entirely new chapters sometimes so you you a are almost invariably started off further into the game like it it sort of bounces you quickly between key moments in the story rather than doing the whole thing over again but like a a perfect example is near when you go do the store like story b and like so you get that first a ending and it says a ending in the game Mm -hmm. when you go for the b ending you'll play through a bulk of the same places again, but a lot of the filler, like the exploration or story stuff in between them that you would have to sit through is skipped over, and you're shown alternate things. So in the original Nier, a perfect example is, uh, you know, you pick up almost halfway through the game when you start the B-ending run, and you will go back and play through certain dungeons, but rather than see any of the story stuff with the main characters that you saw the first time, it'll tell the story from the perspective of the enemies in that dungeon.
1: Okay. So the reason why I bring that up is because, so they call it an ending, like they do the same thing here. It's ending A, ending B. Uh, there are 26, so it goes all the way to Z. Some of them are just, actually most of them are just little uh, texts Endings Like, if you run away from a boss enemy, it will be, like, 2B decided that this wasn't worth it and <laughs> was never seen from again. Uh, so that, like, counts as an quote-unquote ending. And same thing with, like, ending A is you will beat the game and then uh, you go through largely the same story beats and... Uh, in your second playthrough but you're playing as uh the main character's sidekick Hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so you see things from his perspective and there is a point in the story where they become separated so you see what he saw while they were uh, apart from each other interesting but then you beat it that one so then on your third again quote unquote air quotes playthrough You play as an entirely new character that you only got a very brief glimpse of during the first two. And it takes place after the events of endings A and B. So it's like a whole new chapter. There's nothing. You don't play through anything the same on uh, your third playthrough. It's an entirely new chapter. So calling them endings is a bit disingenuous? Yeah. Um so when I say it takes 20 hours, I mean to go from the beginning of the game to the true ending of the game. That's awesome. If you want if you want to power through ending A, like getting to ending A will probably take about 8 and then uh ending B takes a little bit less than that and then C is longer and then D can be as long or as short as you want because you unlock things like chapter select. So See,
0: that's uh, that's such a relief it, because like Drankengard 3 uh, has the exact same structure and is similar to what you're describing in Automata, Sam, in that once you get past, say, ending B, you'll have to like play a bunch of all-new stuff. In, to get Ending yeah. C in Dragon Guard 3. However, Dragon Guard 3 was developed by Access Games, not Platinum, and it's terrible. So <laughs> it takes forever to get to Ending C because you're struggling against this just crap, unfair, brutally difficult uh, action game, even on the easiest setting. So hearing you say that like you can do the whole thing in just about 20 hours is is a huge relief.
1: Yeah, and the other thing too is that this is like Platinum, you know, makes ga- action games and they make action games that are challenging. And if you want a hard game, it can be that game. Yeah. Uh I found normal to be just right in terms of fair but difficult like I had to you know actively pay attention to my enemies and all that sort of stuff um hard is very much so hard um but if you are not an action game player at all but you have found yourself curious about this game and its storyline and you just want to play it for the story there's this really cool system where you as an android because your character is an android You can plug in uh, chips just like you would insert like a graphics card on like a computer to make it run faster, right? So some of the chips that you can insert are autoplay chips. So you can make it so that you automatically evade or automatically fire your ranged weapon. You can even turn it into automatically melee attack and you can turn all of these on and basically all you have to do is run from place to place, hmm. and that's all you need to be in control of because you won't you will lose. You'll automatically dodge every attack and, and all that sort of stuff. So if you really, really, really want just the easiest a game could possibly be and you just want to watch, you can do that. Or if you struggle with one particular aspect, you know, uh, the final boss fight of ending A, I had burned through all of my healing items... Uh, and I just wasn't getting anywhere so I turned on auto evade uh, and I was able to beat him that's awesome so,
0: that's a really cool approach to, to difficulty balancing yeah,
1: yeah it is it's, it's very smart and robust and customizable because you can also do things like you can add lightning attacks to your weapons you can add shockwaves. you can make it so that your a portion of your damage comes back as health so if you want to be an offensive player you can do that if you want to be defensive you can do that and it just allows for all these different kinds of customization really robust all kinds of different options that you can outfit your character with
0: Hmm. without spoiling Um, anything Sam does does automata clearly tie into the original Nier like is it a sequel
1: it is a sequel it It is a a sequel it, it is a sequel but it is a sequel that You don't need to play the first one to understand the circumstances in which uh, 2B and 9S, which are the main characters, find themselves. If you want to know why is the world like this, they give a brief explanation of that. Hmm. Um, And if you have played, or as I did, researched fan wikis... uh, the first near, then you will understand it a little bit better, hmm. but it is certainly not impenetrable.
0: It sounds, it sounds a little bit like like the way that Chrono Cross is a sequel to Chrono Trigger. Does that play? Do you have that background? Wherein like I, it, it is, I, I, Anthony, I've never played Chrono Trigger or Chrono Cross. Sam, wait, all right, guys, we gotta end the podcast again. <laughs> all right, <laughs> <you> good, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta. I... Guys, we got. I, I don't mean to turn in
1: my my gamer card right here and now, but I have never played either of those games. We gotta call it,
0: guys. We gotta call it. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Everybody, just wrap it you, the hell up. <laughs> it could. You could probably think of it,
1: from what I understand, to be like how Mass Effect Andromeda technically takes place after the events of Mass Effect Three, but it's a whole new setting. And mm, okay, yeah. Uh, It doesn't really connect, but it kind of does. Do you
0: guys think uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is going to open with an Asari walking out and being like, Oh boy, I sure did hate everything that happened in our universe a little (laughs) while ago. (laughs) Did you hate everything that happened in our universe a while ago? Well, we'll make sure nothing like that happens again. Seth (laughs) Seth Green won't have sex with a spaceship this time. Uh, well, then but, I'm not buying it. I'm not, if Seth Green doesn't fuck a spaceship in this game, I'm not buying it. Uh. Uh, I think
1: I think it has more to do with, like, uh, you know, it connects in theme. I mean, it is a sequel, but it also reflects a lot of the same kind of themes, and it's just as, like, it's fucking weird. Like, there are robots that wear top hats and, quote, Sartre, uh, there's a side quest where you have to explain to robots that have the personality of children where babies come from. Uh, oh god,
0: I am psyched about this game. I am pumped about this. It's
1: really weird and a lot of the uh, near and Drakengard trappings are there too, so there's also like, you, there is a fishing mini-game and you can <laughs> And you can ride boar and moose. There's no real reason to, but you can. Awesome, if you want to. Um, and one thing that I will I will be expanding more on in an article is the the true ending Mm-mm. because it is. Uh, I don't want to go into spoilers here on the podcast, but um, without saying too much, it's one of those times where gameplay reflects the moral Mm. in a very powerful way cool so you know how like um like bioshock is is known for being one of those great twists right and it's because you have been uh playing the game as you normally would but you've also been following uh oh shit what's his name atlas whatever is atlas Atlas, yeah. yeah Uh, you've been following his directives the whole time the would you kindly twist but when you really think about it it's not actually that clever of a twist because you're just it's it's like saying video game violence is un, or unquestioning video game violence is bad now go do unquestioning video game violence <laughs> sort of thing what about that whereas huh? <laughs> whereas yeah whereas this is more uh it gets into um you know uh, accepting help from other people and uh, existentialism and the meaning of existence and somehow they managed to actually reflect that in the gameplay in a very very satisfying way that it feels like you are actually experiencing that you know it's it's the opposite of press X to pay respects hmm
0: hmm man <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I, I just yeah. I i'm just game. not gonna play zelda yeah i'm just like i as of tomorrow i'm just gonna have to put my hyrule exploration on hold because uh, i i want everything to do with this game sam has this did this game uh renew your faith in platinum games you know platinum yes. platinum has had yes. <laughs> yeah they've had a little bit of a rough run they have had a little bit of a rough run um, all four of us played teenage mutant ninja turtles mutants in manhattan together That was a thing that we
3: did as a group. That happened.
2: Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Did I block this out of my memory? Yeah, do you not recall this? We streamed this, dude. Mutants in. Yeah, the. On the PS4, the (laughs) only. I swear to God, I was not. This is gone. Was it Susan? No. No. Mutants in.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) Wow! everybody the last
2: platinum games game literally gave connor ptsd i swear to god (laughs) maybe i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't pick at the scab because i have no memory of ever playing that game
0: oh it's so it's 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 nightmarishly you're better off sam we literally got to the end of it and sam was just like i hate you anthony i hate you for making me do this i'll curse your name forever and it that's the only thing that platinum has made that was truly bad and I, it's not their fault that it was truly bad. That game Isn't was that made.
2: That game pretty bad.
0: So the uh, the Legend of Korra game is good. It's not bad. It's just not great. It it, it is. Uh, it's fine. It, the, yeah, it is. It is a fu- solid Dave Roberts F. That is what it is. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, it uh, yeah. It is. Uh, it, it is fine. The big problem with the Legend of Korra game is that the whole reason that Legend of Korra and Avatar is good is that it has this very narratively rich world and great characters, and the Legend of Korra game is just four hours of great combat with zero character and zero world. Like, it's just fights, 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 fights. And it's... That is... They're good, Yeah, but... that,
1: that, really quick, that is the thing that um, is... Very, it's definitely improved upon in... Automata than it was in the Legend of Korra game, um, where there are lots of interesting characters and a world to explore, and it feels narratively rich, even if those stories don't always connect or land in the same like impact that you would like. Um, but you can also tell that like an RPG is not really Platinum's forte. So some of the RPG more RPG elements like the connecting story or uh, inventory management and um, crafting are a those are its kind of weaker spots. but there are some really great and awesome characters. There's a, a robot named Pascal who I again, I won't spoil his story, but man, that whole the whole storyline with Pascal uh. <laughs> I feel a weight at the bottom of my soul just talking about it, <laughs> just mentioning his name. But I won't say if he dies or not, because hmm. that's,
3: that's, that's a spoiler. Because that's a thing.
1: And
0: also, it's not the answer that you think it is. Hmm. Well, everybody, I feel like the th- there's one thing you come away from this podcast with. It's that uh super bomberman r is game of the year yes. 2017
2: <laughs> <laughs> now can in fact pee themselves <laughs> can't dragons can pee
0: themselves we've covered it uh yeah and dragon, I, pee. and dragon pee we've we've literally taken we've gone to dick's sporting goods in a fantasy rpg bought the dragon musk and dumped it all over ourselves which is kind of like we're not dragons. We can't we can't dragon pee ourselves. Uh, this has gone too far. We've carried the metaphors. Anthony, I feel
1: like you're kind of dragging
0: this on. Heyo,
1: <laughs> Hi-o. Uh
0: Actually, Shut one last question, Sam. Now that you've heard all this stuff about the Switch, are you more interested in buying this thing?
1: No, no. But
0: tell yeah, tell your story. Okay.
1: Tell your story. It's I swear it's really quick. So. My friend who works at a Best Buy, uh, they had a few extras like they said they would. He bought one. It is now three days later. He hasn't opened it yet. What? And I asked him why. And he goes, I'm not sold on it yet. And I go, you literally are sold on it because you paid cash money for it and you own it. You are sold on it why haven't you opened this thing oh my what and his answer is I'm not sold on it
2: you can return it <laughs>
1: he can but and actually even if he opened it and played with it Best Buy's return policy is actually pretty good so he could return it even if he played with it uh, okay. yeah, yeah that, that was my
2: plan with the pro controller like I saw Wario 64 posted like oh pro controllers over Pro Best Buy I was like uh, I'd better get that in and if I like the Joy-Cons enough I'll just return the Pro controller and I totally did not pre- return the Pro controller. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, oh, how yeah, a
1: Pro controller is is a must have. How it's do nice.
2: you charge How do you charge it? How do you charge the Pro controller? It comes with a USB-C cable. And you just oh, it plug it into the dock.
0: All right. I, yeah, I I mean that's not a guarantee with Nintendo stuff. Like let's not forget that the the freaking new 3DS didn't come with a power cable. Nope. there's yeah. like whoa 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 uh, you know the battery's gonna be charged when you open it but after that you're on your own everybody
3: i, and that's like, I think that's an admission by nintendo uh, of them realizing exactly who is going to be buying this thing AKA oh yeah people who already have a 3ds yep yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no there's no two ways about that uh yeah everybody we will be back next week thank you for listening Uh, We will, Sam and I are going to be at PAX East this coming week, Uh, so it's going to be uh, an exciting thing. If there's anything you would like to hear about our time at PAX, I'm really excited. I'm going to play the first Final Fantasy XV expansion at this thing. The the Gladiolus tale. Uh, It's just Gladio going to the gym and that, and, like... Does he like do, a,
3: he's gonna do the squats, like in Final Fantasy VII.
0: Just like in Final Fantasy VII, except he's still wearing leather jeans when he's doing yes. them. Because because it's Final Fantasy XV. Uh Yeah, everybody, uh, get in touch with us at, at our Twitter handles, if you feel like it. You can get to Connor, at C underscore Sheridan. You can get to Dave, at David Robots. You can get to Sam, at Sam Prell. You can get to me, at a John Agnello that's uh the the indefinite article John Agnello not <laughs> the John Agnello uh all right thank you for listening we'll be back next week goodbye
3: come go milking with me hey come milk with us
2: <laughs>